This morning's scripture reading is taken from Psalms 119th chapter, verses 1 through 3. It says, Blessed are those whose ways are blameless, who walk according to the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his statutes and seek him with all of their heart. They do no wrong, but follow his ways. Good morning. I guess I'll have to try that again. You guys got to get work on getting this right the first time. Good morning. Amen. Amen. Let me see. I'm going to give this a shot. About above, across, after, against, among, around, before, behind, below, beneath, beside, between, and through, at, by, in, of, on, to, up, at, by, in, of, on, to, up, for, from, near, over, and to, down, and off, during, except, toward, under, until, with, and without. God. You know what those are? Ms. Carol, what are those? Those are prepositions. Right? I learned that chant in Mrs. Shannon's seventh grade English class. Yay for me. I've remembered it all these years. Now, I'm not very good at using it when I write, but I remember the chant. She created that little chant so that we would learn our prepositions. This morning, I'd like, if you would, to turn in your Bibles to Psalm 119. Psalm 119, David, we think David, wrote this psalm, the longest psalm that we find. 176 verses of praise. 176 verses of praise. Written in a format of about eight stanzas and 22 different categories. Representing... Each category representing a letter of the Hebrew alphabet. He wrote it this way for a reason. Poetry and other things were written this way in this day so that they could be easily memorized. Now imagine that teenagers memorizing 176 verses of Scripture for application. Now, here's what makes this even different. The psalm, which the word psalm meaning praises, praises for the word. And the word at this time was the law, the Torah primarily. So they're praising God for his law, for his rule. So, you know, to to you young people, that would be like something like this. I, I kind of worked this out a little bit. We'll see how this goes. Mommy, Daddy, thanks for me having to be in by 11. They chanted these words and they memorized these words. And they not only memorized and chanted these words, but they memorized and chanted them because it brought something to their life that they realized would be important. And the people in their life that were teaching them realized that these words would be important. And so they were handed down kind of like their curriculum. See, if you were a young person in this culture, you weren't given a math book or a biology book or a history book. You were given the law. You learned the law. That was your curriculum. You memorized it. You knew it word by word. I want us to imagine living in a culture like that. Now, for the next four weeks, what I want to do is each week we're going to break down a portion of this hundred and nineteenth. Psalm. And we're going to look at the different ways that this psalm was used to bring blessing. 
This week, we're going to look at it just praising God for the Word. And next week, we're going to look at the way the Word guides us into a pure life and a life of purity before God. I'd like us to uh, consider this quote by Sue Detweiler. She wrote the nine traits of a life-giving mom replacing my worst with God's best. And she says these words. As you walk with Jesus, resting your head on His heart, you will learn to know His Word, His will, and His ways. You will want to obey Him, not out of forced compliance, but out of heartfelt connection. Your joy will abound as you remain in His love. Now, even though Jesus delivered us from a life of having, having to follow law, He didn't deliver us from the importance of knowing God's Word and applying it in our lives. Yes, we don't follow a long list of laws anymore as Christians, but we do, in fact, follow the Word of God. We are, in fact, Christians, which means that we are Christ followers. Christ followers. Christ, the Christ that taught God's will and way. Look at verse number one of our reading this morning. Blessed are those whose ways are blameless, who walk according to the law of the Lord. Now, when one does wrong, it generally generates consequences, right? I'll share a story with you. I was 16 years old, just gotten my driver's license, and I was working at Wendy's. Now, I was working at Wendy's because I had blown the motor in my car and the only way the car was drivable was to put a motor in it. And the only way to put a motor in it was to get a job, as my dad said. So I got a job. But my girlfriend one night wanted me to come over and watch a movie and I really wanted to go watch that movie. So I told my dad, Dad, it was a school night. I said, I got to go to work tonight. I got I got called into work. So I put my Wendy's uniform on and I walked out the door to go to work. But I drove over to my girlfriend's house to watch the movie. Well, this was the one night that my dad decided that he and mom were going to support the cause. <laughs> they were going to go in and have a frosty. Well, you can imagine my dad when he pulled up and said, you know, I'm so proud of my boy. He's got this job. I know he's working in there somewhere. Uh, oh, I'm going to adjust this. It's falling off. I know he's in there somewhere. Tell Tony we're out here at the drive-up window. And they're waving in and the manager says, Tony's not on shift tonight. Well, they didn't even have to guess where to go. <laughs> so they drove the 15 miles over to my girlfriend's house and they walked in the living room door. Wow, busted. All I can say is busted. Here was the consequence. The consequence was driving 15 miles home, looking in the rearview mirror at my dad. And the consequence was knowing that I hurt them. I betrayed their trust. I didn't do what was expected of me. I, was, I wasn't blameless. Here's the deal. If I would have had God woven into my life, I wonder if it would have been different. I know it's not always different, and I get it. But I will tell you this. There's been many a nights that Jeanette and I have decided to hop in the car and go support the cause. Okay? Two, two teenagers driving. 
been many a night. We've yet to drive up and look in the drive-up window and my boys not be there. And I have to believe, I want to believe with all my heart that a big part of that is we have woven God into a part of their upbringing. I'm about ready to throw this thing out in the parking lot. I want you to understand how important it is for us to teach, to understand, and live out the Word of God. Isaiah, in his word, in, in his letter, in Isaiah verse 55, or Isaiah chapter 55, if you'd like to turn there, I don't have this on a slide. I, I entered this in a little bit later. Isaiah 55 and verse 10 says this, As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth, And making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater. So is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. I'm going to give you a practical way to remember this that I, I hope you will. It's called the double W. The double W. Double as in D, that means two, right? And the W as in the alphabet W, the the letter. The first W is the Word. God's Word. The second W is the walk. The walk that's generated from understanding the Word. We're learning about this in Wednesday night class. Brother Dempsey-Yeary is teaching us from the book of James. And we spent this past Wednesday talking about how our faith becomes... Our deeds, it's part of it becomes part of who we are. It's part of what we do. It's the word coming to life in our actions. For the word to become flesh, it ha- in our time, it has to become real in us. We are the flesh of God's word in our time. Do we understand that? Do we do we realize that when the word becomes flesh in our community, whether it's some of our community outreaches or the missions works or the, the teaching that we do here at church and different things, the Word becomes flesh through us in this time. For the Word to become flesh, we must walk. Now, the first step to living out the Word is knowing God's Word. Look at verse 2 in our reading today. Blessed are those who keep His statutes and seek Him with all their heart. I want to talk about this heart thing for just a minute. I'm just going to talk out loud. I want to talk about this heart thing for just a minute. Because I want to connect with you guys. And I don't want... Please, please, please. Don't walk away this morning feeling like you've somehow been ridiculed or gotten onto by any means. That's... That's not my desire at all. But I'm going to point out a couple of things that I hope for some of us might be a little convicting. Heartland, I believe with all my heart that we are one of the most giving congregations that I have encountered anywhere. And I mean this. We put out a word for a need and it is met generally. We put out a need for servanthood and for help in the community, and it is met all week long. You can go different places and see different people from this church working in our community. So giving is one of our strengths. It's one of our core strengths. 
I can share that you some of our we're one of the most caring congregations. We'll go visit someone in the hospital and you say, hey, how you doing? I, I bet it gets kind of lonely in here. They'll say, how can it get lonely? All you Heartland people are in and out. I walked by a nurse this week in the hospital and she said, let me guess, Heartland. We are a loving and caring congregation. But if I were to say there's one thing we need to work on, I'm not quite sure how much of a learning congregation we still are. Let me explain. I'd love to go up here in the nest right now and take a picture. One of those panoramic deals. Because if I took that and I showed you that and what it looks like here on Sunday morning. And I were to go up or into one of our classes on Wednesday night or or one of our Bible classes on Sunday morning. And I took the same shot. Here's the truth. And this is what our numbers demonstrate. There would only be about three out of ten of you in this room. Now, I know I know what some are saying. Some are, well, you don't have to come to Bible class to learn the Bible. I get that. You don't. But I've also been the guy more times than not that goes out and sits with people when they're struggling and asks them, how much time are you spending in the word? I see some of our college students around the room. I've sat with our college students when they're struggling off of college and I'll say, how much time are you spending in the word? And they'll say, well, you know, you get busy and and, and the Bible's sitting there and the, the Bible's got dust on it, brother. I feel called this morning to talk to us about our attending of Bible class of some sort of extra Bible learning during during the course of the week. Now, every morning I go, I work out and I I take my my cell phone with me and on my cell phone, I have sermons from from different ministers all over the country. And I listen to them while I walk. I listen to them at home while I'm doing yard work. I know that if you go on Facebook, you can read you can read article after article. And some of us get our 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 Bible fix, if you will, from social media. But keep in mind that in so many cases, people just like this sermon is just a commentary of God's word. Much of that that you read is simply a commentary. It's just what other people think about God's word. It's not God speaking to you through the Bible. And we need some time to open up the scriptures and to read them and not just read them individually. Church, we need an opportunity to read that Bible together. And together means you and me. It means you and the person sitting four chairs down or three rows up. How would it be different if we were a congregation where this was our Bible class? That everyone was in attendance. Proverbs 27, 17 says this, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Now, church, I've also heard this before when I've talked to folks. Oh, man, you don't understand. I was in that class and they were fighting and arguing. It was like it was like two animals going after each other. I don't need that. I get that at work. Listen, church, this, this is something I'll say about that. When iron sharpens iron, what sharpens the blade? Friction? Is there dust and dirt involved? Sometimes the process, people, of iron sharpen iron, it's not clean. 
It doesn't happen without friction. It doesn't happen without heat. Sometimes you need to go through that to get the finished product. I don't, I'm not advocating arguing in class. I'm not. I, Lord, I, I hate to argue. Anybody who knows me knows I, I'll run before I argue. That's why you see my wife following me around everywhere. She's trying to argue. I don't like to argue. But church, sometimes we have to have that dialogue to grow, to help each other grow. If anything, that dialogue will lead us into prayer. It'll lead us into encouragement for each other. It should. We can't retreat from God's word because the class is uncomfortable. Sometimes God's word is uncomfortable, isn't it? You know, if you have a reason, I'm going to I'm going to kind of read this part this morning because I want to make sure it comes out right. And I, I really thought about this. I'll probably still goof it up. but Oh, well. If you have reasons you feel God will live with in not attending Bible class, then by all means, ignore this message this morning. I mean, if, if, if you've if you got a good excuse, if if you someday, you know, you can walk in the presence of God and sit down with him and him say, well, you know, man, I wish you would have spent a little more time in the word. And you can say, well, I filled that gap with this. If you think whatever this is. Is good enough, then please ignore what I say. I'm not because my 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 desire is not to get up here and make you feel bad. It's not. I love you. I promise I even love you, Jerome. That's not my desire. That's the last thing I wanted to do this morning when I woke up. So if whatever it is you're filling that time with, if you feel like it's good enough, then ignore the lesson. However, what I want to tell you is the Holy Spirit, God, called me to deliver this message this morning. I believe that with all my heart. And I'm not going to back down from that. I'm not going to be apologetic about that. We have got to learn God's word if we're going to be the church and the people that God wants us wants us to be. Be careful that you don't find other things to blame for something that might be a heart condition that you have. Because seeking out God's word is a matter of heart. I'll tell you something. I would meet any football player I have, any baseball player I have on the chalk if I didn't think they were given 100 percent. And I would do everything in my power to get that player to give me 110% every play of every game. I'm that passionate when I coach football. And I need to be that passionate when I preach. God wants Bible learning to bring blessing to your life. We're going to read this in the 119th Psalm, church. 176 praises for God's Word. Don't you think David lived a life of conversion enough that he would know? Didn't he put his life through enough that he would know? Adultery, deceit, murder. And he's come to a point where he's, he's penned the longest psalm in the Bible so that we can learn and memorize chants of praise for God's Word.
The third and final part of this message this morning is simple. Doing things this way saves us from going the wrong way. Verse 3. They do no wrong, but they follow his ways. They do no wrong, but they follow his ways. Um, man, I had an interesting Sunday last Sunday. I'm just going to give you the, the brief version. I went to Memphis with a couple of our shepherds. And before we left, they talked me into driving because I was the youngest. Um, one of them had copied the directions off of MapQuest before we left, right? Well, one of them had his cell phone in the back. And so one of them was trying to tell me how to go from his cell phone. And one of them was trying to tell me how to go from his directions that he had printed off. And so I'm driving around Memphis and don't do that. Don't ever do that. Don't trust someone else. Now, follow me. Here's the message. Don't ever trust someone else. Read it for yourself. Before you leave on a journey, you should know where you're going. It was a mess. Having those other people try to tell me where to go through traffic. Through construction. Okay, the whole state of Tennessee is under construction. And then, do you also know what it's like when you put two Christian elders in the back seat and they're both trying to figure out the same thing? You end up with an argument. I'm just kidding. A debate. We'll call it a debate. <laughs> Brothers and sisters, this life will be guided for us by the Word of God. God gave us this blessing. For the purpose of us reading it, of us absorbing it, of, of us encouraging one another with it, teaching one another with it. We can't we can't we can't continue to neglect it this way. Now, again, if you're if you're void of this message, don't go home mad at me. At, at least at least, uh, you know, feel good about the fact I wasn't scared to get up here and tell you this. Okay, don't hate me. Because I guarantee you there's plenty of folks in this room that need to hear this. I want to be an encouragement to you. I'll tell you what, man, if you can't be here at the appointed times, you let me know. You let the staff here know. We'll make arrangements to come and study the Bible with you. We'll get you involved in one of the small groups. We'll get you involved. You know, the ladies, man, the ladies are running out of room already in their new room. On Tuesday morning, it's awesome. There's plenty of opportunities to study the Bible with other Christians. Please don't neglect that any longer. Make it a priority. Please. Let us know how we can help with that. Turn in your Bibles. This is, this is it. I'm going to give you this and then I'm going to go. Ephesians chapter 4. I want to leave you with these Encouraging words from Scripture, from God's Word in the New Testament. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 4 through 6. It reads like this. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. 
Let's stand and let's praise Him for that.